I am not having it today. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today, coming all the way from snowy, probably socked in, but not maybe sunny, I don't know how it works, Canada, is the one and only Kill Panic. What's happening, my guy? Hey, Will, how's it going? Uh, things are good down here. Uh, we're, we're right by the lake, so we're not getting a ton of snow. Uh, we just had a, had some flurries now and then, but nothing nothing on the ground yet so far, so fingers crossed. Nice, nice. Yeah, I uh, lived in northeast Michigan for a little while in a little town called Alpena, and we had this thing called lake effect snow. So when you say you're on the lake, I assume that you know what I mean by lake effect snow. Yeah, well, we're on the for, we we have the opposite uh, of the lake uh, of that lake effect because we're on the north uh, coast of uh, Lake Ontario. So uh, when Buffalo tends to get snowed in, for example, uh, all that stuff goes up and over the lake and and past us into uh, into the north of the, of the city. So uh, we're fortunate uh, uh, beneficiaries of the lake effect. Nice, nice. Yeah, well, it was awful when I lived in Michigan. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, you know it is what it is, and I just assume that. Everything in Canada is constantly covered in white, except for like two weeks out of the year. But Leland has told me otherwise. Yeah, he's from southern Ontario, so he's probably in his bikini right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll let him know you said that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he'll hear it. He'll hear it. So, uh -huh. Kill Panic, I first of all want to thank you for joining me today, because this is a topic that I'm really interested in and something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while and that topic is math in MCP. I know, I know. Like, listen, Suits, don't turn this thing off because we're not here to have a math course. But it's just how we think about probability within this game and how it can sometimes warp our minds and play styles and, and how just the general craziness that can be MCP dice can play out at times. And I want to thank you for being on with me for that. Well, thanks. Uh, and thanks for inviting me. Um, you know, as you know, I'm a, I'm a totally omnivorous uh, war gamer and uh, I, I feel like uh, uh, dice probabilities is one of the, the core skills that's translatable across uh, um, all um, games that use dice, right? It's up there with, uh, with uh, judging distance on the tabletop mm -hmm. as, uh, as, as something that you can develop over time and you can uh, port from game to game as you uh, move between systems. Um, so yeah, well, I, I doubt my um, uh, education in humanities will be uh, very useful. Hopefully uh, my, my instincts as a war gamer uh, <laughs> will <laughs> assert themselves during our conversation. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. So this is going to be uh, an interesting episode, I think, and basically we're going to go through and kind of discuss what some averages might be in certain attacks, why 
maybe I am like, oh, well, I don't like two defense on my model. And what is that going to do against basic attacks? And certain triggers and stuff like that that we'll try to discuss how to, how they hit and all that stuff. And uh, shout out to Jarvis Protocol for having a really great dice calculator. And another thing I want to say about this topic is, you know, when you're playing the game and as many games as I have in, as many games as you have in, as many games as people that have been playing this for a long time have in, you can kind of understand what your expectations are. And you know that, you know, average dice in this game is a thing that is more or less a letdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it's one of those things we're trying to, to discuss that a little bit and trying to discuss how all of these different things kind of fit together to form opinions about different characters and about different things you do on the tabletop. So I'm excited for this. Yeah, uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, later about what average uh, uh, looks like and means in, in, in MCP and how it's uh, different from, uh, you know, tabletop games like, let's say, the, the Warhammer universe, where uh, where a lot of your strategy is centered around uh, achieving certain mean results on um, a large number of dice rolls. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's one of the things that uh, I think is really interesting about uh, MCP as a war game. And... Uh, one of the things I think uh, uh, will really uh, help maintain its popularity in the community. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things I think that is central to why MCP is so swingy and so interesting from a dice perspective is the custom dice aspect of it. You know, you, you mentioned Warhammer 40K. I think that a lot of gamers understand that that's D6s and it's, you know, I think of the classic charge, the, uh, what is it, with like corn berserkers or with your orc boys and stuff like that, where it's like trying to get into melee and just throw literally an entire giant bag full of dice on the tabletop and, and try to get as many like fives and sixes as possible. And, you know, if this is MCP is someone's first miniatures game, they don't really have that experience and understanding what that is versus what this is and how the, I think the custom dice aspect of this really adds to one, the excitement and two, the way that the, the math kind of gets a little crazy. And I have, I don't have as much experience in 40 K as you do, or many other people do, but how would you describe those, those differences when what you're looking for versus what you get? So yeah, there's a there's a couple of things uh, that make uh, that make MCP dice rolling uh, a little distinct from a lot of other games, and and uh, as you mentioned, the custom dice is one of them. Um, combine that with the fact that uh, that not only you're looking for hits on the dice or what what the different symbols that constitute a hit, off often you're fishing for or or seeking particular uh, symbols. To show mm -hmm. up, some figures uh, need a while to, to trigger a, a special effect or additional damage. We call that proccing. Um, mm -hmm. That's from from the MMO uh, online gaming speak. Um, but uh, but further to that is the fact that uh, unlike uh, a game like uh, Age of Sigmar or Warhammer 40k, um, you're not rolling uh, buckets of dice where uh, 
a larger number of dice is more likely to uh, give you a, a, an average result. Uh, yeah. you're, you're rolling just a few dice, and so um, the extremes of uh, likely outcomes are, uh, are uh, paradoxically, I guess, more likely uh, uh, to happen. Yeah, for right? sure. And one of the things that I think is uh, we have to talk about when we talk about the dice and the math of Marvel Crisis Protocol is the critical trigger and how that works. And it's one of those things that I personally love about MCP. It's It's been my detriment, but it's also been one of those things that without this ability within MCP, I think it would be significantly less exciting. So the critical trigger, obviously, when you roll a crit, you get to add another die into the dice pool on the initial roll. So I think that that trigger right there, and I know that there are people out there in the world that don't like the way that that crits work. And do I think it's the best system for crits? Not necessarily. I actually do like the way that Shatterpoint handles critical triggers, but I find the crit trigger mechanic in MCP to be one of the most exciting parts. You roll some dice on attack and you have two or three crits, you instantly think, oh man, this is going to be a big one, right? Even if it's just a five dice pool. And, you know, more often than not, you maybe add a, one or two more successes, and great. But then on the flip side of that, you have two crits on a three dice defense roll, and you're like, oh man, I might survive this time. And it's it's just the excitement of the dice rolling at that point that I absolutely love. And it's one of the things that I think MCP really does well is just capturing that excitement level and keeping the oh, well, you know, I've got a 70% a chance I'm going to do the damage I need to do here, but maybe not. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm right there with you in that that uh, the exploding crit uh, feature is uh, certainly um, adds a, a lot of excitement and tension to the game um, because, you know, there's uh, it's, it's like a dumb and dumber quote. You're saying there's a chance. There's always that chance. Yes. Right? Um, I mean, almost always. Sometimes you're going to get hit by, uh, you know, Sentinel Prime, and you're on two di defense dice, and you know the outcome is uh, all, all but inevitable. But there's a chance. There's always a chance. Yeah. Over over and above that, and from a bit more of a of a cerebral standpoint, it's a it's a truism in, in game design that the, the less random a game is, the more uh, uh, player skill is uh, is is uh, able to determine the outcome of the game. Right. Yeah. So in, in chess, for example, there's no randomness involved. Uh, you know, it's entirely up to the uh, the uh, uh, player's uh, personal ability. Um, but for for general audience and casual games, you, you don't want that because you want uh, you want uh, the less skilled player to win sometimes. Um, or it, you know, most people will get discouraged and and leave for uh, uh, more interesting pursuits. Um, and the uh, the randomness in MCP dice rolling, um, I think, uh, affects a really nice balance between um, between uh, competitive play and always giving uh, less uh, uh, less skilled player uh, a chance to stay in the game, um, if only by dint of sheer luck. And uh, I, I do think that that's that, that that's what uh, 
troubles uh, some more competitive players when they complain about uh, about MCP dice because you know if you're if you're good at something, uh, it never feels good to uh, to lose a game just because uh, just because the dice didn't come your way. Yeah, absolutely. And for most of you that know that have listened to this podcast for a while, my kind of big renaissance of wargaming came from Guild Ball. And that was a game that was very high skill ceiling because it used D6s and you're really only looking for a couple of results the way all the stuff worked. And so when you started to, like I started to play a little bit competitively and like the skill gaps were large (laughs) in that game and I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. It's, I still love it if it wasn't, nearly dead and on life support, I would probably play it more regularly, but here we are. And one of the things about that game that was great is that tactical ability and and seeing that reflected on the tabletop, but it didn't have that level of excitement that like Marvel Crisis Protocol does. And that is one of the things that I want to come back to when we talk about the dice and when we talk about the different results that we get on the tabletop, stuff like that, you know, that that big swing attack, that big, big defense roll that you didn't expect, those kind of things are times for excitement. And yeah, at a tournament, it feels bad when you roll your spender that you just spent four power on and it was your last four power and you don't do any damage or you do one or two damage, which isn't enough. All of those things are are things that exist, but when you you do those things, there's always some kind of like cinematic moment for it, and that's what I want to also keep in mind when we have this discussion of like you know yeah you rolled a, a seventeen dice Helios laser and for some reason the dice gods were not on your side today or oh yeah you just gained three power with Clea and she had one damage on her already and you went ahead and rolled your four dice and she blew herself up yeah you know. Those are things that exist. And I, you know, 1.1% chance is still a chance. <laughs> I know no, because I did it. For for sure and I have been I've been on record uh, uh at least on the forums if not uh, if not on the podcast that uh, that miniature, ga- miniature games as a category are not particularly well suited for skill expression um or or competitive play. And uh you know, that's a that's a whole another topic. But uh but as you say, if you can get in the mindset of celebrating uh, you know, uh, the other players' uh, unlikely victories and uh, turn a game uh, into, you know, a cinematic experience, then, uh, then um, you know, you're going to have a lot more fun at MCP than if you're just trying to, to crunch numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I had a game recently where I was playing Midnight Suns versus Winter Guard and my opponent got Immortal Hulked. He, he got Immortal Hulked pretty hard. You know, it happens. (laughs) It's a thing. But uh, anyways, he did some attacks to me. And I don't remember who it was attacking. Maybe it was Ulick did an attack into me. And I rolled my four defense dice on, I think it was, uh, maybe it was Hulk. I don't remember who it was. But I rolled my four defense dice. And I ended up with six defensive successes. Wow. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, like I felt bad because I was murdering the crap out of my opponent at that point, but at the same time I was like, 
well, I guess this character just was like, not today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, we had a good laugh about it and, and all that stuff. But it's one of those those things where it's like, I love that kind of stuff in this game. Obviously, it worked out for me in that moment. But it's one of those things, even if it doesn't work out for me, I'm I'm still like, oh, man, that was just that was just wild. Like when uh, I talked about this on a recent podcast at Warfare Weekend, when Miles needed to survive a four dice attack from Mysterio. And and if he survived that attack, I win the game. Yeah. He did not. He had three health left with my th three defense dice. And we'll use that as an example of the four dice attack situation, okay? We'll, we'll start it off here. Yeah. My opponent, if you want to talk about the math, I'm thinking Miles is going to be fine. This is, I, I played it to the point of the math, right? I'm like, uh -huh. Miles should survive with three health against four dice. Well, the math says my opponent only has an 11% chance to do the three damage. Uh-huh. And he did five damage, which is a less yeah. than 1% chance. He rolled five successes. Mm -hmm. And... Obviously, in that moment, it cost me the game. But at the same time, I was like, this is awesome. Mysterio's just yeah. like, I am not having it today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, building building on the, the idea of creating creating cinematic and exciting moments, he didn't need to do five damage. So really, the, the, the five damage he did was, uh, was like uh, two damage extra uh, from a... Uh, from, uh, perspective of parsimony but from a from a gameplay perspective it was a wonderfully uh uh you know exciting and and uh uh funny experience for you both mm -hmm. um so yeah it's a it's a it's a perfect illustration i think i i appreciate that yeah and it's gonna lead into i think the rest of the discussion here is is that kind of thing and one of the things like i always talk about on this podcast it's just maybe been a while since i've talked about it but is the like four dice attacks and what kind of things you expect when you roll four dice. And mm -hmm. I think that that is one of the things that we haven't seen a ton of in MCP lately is the four dice builder. I think if you look at the new core set as an example, I don't think there's any straight up four dice builders except for You've got like spectacular Spider-Man's impact webbing, and may I can't maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I I wouldn't be able to tell you off the top of my head, but I mean it, the uh, the core set does have more higher threat characters, which uh, which also seems to be an associated trend in uh, in uh, new releases. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, I I agree with you. Uh, uh, naively, I I don't anticipate a result when i'm throwing a four die attack you know, same if i get if i get something then it's good uh but uh but I, I, if, if i'm rolling four dice i'd almost rather be doing something else it doesn't feel like a particularly um uh worthwhile use of my action yeah um although there are exceptions and and of course we're going to talk about that those exceptions as well yeah absolutely um, right um for example, if I've got uh, if I've got a trigger that that um, gives me a, a second attack, right? Uh, the rapid fire trigger being the most common one, shield throw, that kind of stuff, right? 
mm-hmm. then I'm happy to throw four dice all day long because, you know, some percentage of the time I'm really throwing, you know, quote unquote, eight dice. And yeah, the math doesn't work out that way. But um, as a uh, just as a starting point, I think that's a that that's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is really the thing to wrap your head around when you look at four dice attacks. I've got a couple of examples that uh, I would like to talk about here for a second. And one of them is close to my heart, being a Wizards player like I am. And that's Baron Mordo. I've talked many times on this podcast about Baron Mordo and how I think he is a very good character overall but just has some slight frustrations that I have with him as a character that mm-hmm. keep him from seeing the table in more broad terms, I think. But one of the things, like I've played so much, so much Baron Mordo, and he has two four dice attacks. One's a builder and one's a gainer. So one's power equal to damage dealt. One is automatically one power. Range three and range four, respectively. And... To your point about rolling four dice, I expect to do zero damage with him every Mm -hmm. single time. However, he has two wild triggers on the Staff of the Living Tribunal, which is a range three attack. He has a wild push. And on the Bolts of Bishrew, which is a range four attack, he has the wild hex. And let me tell you, I will roll dice with him just to fish for that hex constantly. Yeah, now, and, I wonder. Uh, I wonder. Will what would be the uh, the odds of uh, of getting that that hex if you're uh, if you're fishing for it? So interestingly enough, and I appreciate the tee up. Forty five percent of the time, you should roll that wild on four dice, which sounds like basically it, functionally you can view that as about 50% of the time. So the way to look at it is, the way I look at it, and it's flawed logic, I think, is, oh, cool, I do two attacks, one of these should have a wild in it. But that is not how it works. No, that's not that's not at all how it works. But, I mean, as a, as a base level, um, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. And as a base level supposition, um, that uh, it's, it's better than, than going in without any expectations at all. Yeah. Um, uh, now, having said that, uh, and and what we've uh, since we've mentioned uh, competitive play before, um, you'll note uh, if you listen to a lot of podcasts like I do, or and watch a lot of footage, uh, gameplay footage like you do, that um, competitive players uh, will try hard to as hard as possible to roll as few dice as they can, mm-hmm. um, and that's precisely for that for that reason because yes, you're you're you've got like you know, uh, whatever, uh, uh, a likelihood, let's say, a likelihood of rolling one wild with two attacks uh, on four dice. But you can't count on it. And if you're organizing your round strategy around uh, hexing a guy, then some percentage of the time, you can be certain that every every so often that that attack isn't going to work out. And so that means that that your whole strategy isn't going to work out, which could cost you the, the the round it could cost you the game you know uh, these are the these are the sorts of things that um, that uh, while not mistakes can really make a difference between uh, victory and defeat yeah absolutely and that's just really it is 
when I roll for for trying to hex, or or another example is trying to push, because I do tend to play a more control style, and you know that try not to roll as few dice as possible. It in in that game with Mysterio and Miles there, I literally said multiple times, "How could I do this without rolling dice?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what That's I mean. Right. And it's mm-hmm. you know it is what it is. It's it's because I have I have that whiplash of like failing so many times that it's like well let me just not even try you know so at least with the dice but like with with the interesting thing i want to talk about with this trying to hit a wild trigger on four dice and again like i said that that mindset of basically 50 percent of the time i should hit this it one dice roll does not affect the next as soon as you roll those dice and, and you you don't have whatever trigger you wanted, you pick them up and you do it again, That that is a whole new thing. That probability for that dice roll is exactly the same as the previous one. Just because you rolled a, a, you didn't roll any successes on the first one doesn't mean that suddenly now you have a 75% chance to roll that success. That is a fundamental and I think um, uh, counterintuitive uh, property of probabilities in general, and something that over the years of tabletop gaming, I've seen time and time again, a uh, player get frustrated and angry by thinking, by saying, oh, I should have gotten, you know, I should have gotten X amount, it, which is, which is uh, absolutely um, uh, a wrong-headed way of looking at probability and statistics. There are likelihoods, yes, but a likelihood isn't a certainty. And, uh, Every possibility is it, 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 every possibility can happen. Um, it just you know m- matters how often that would happen over a very large uh, uh, sample size of occurrences, right? And, uh-huh. and in most wargamings and in most wargaming, and I think in MCP in particular, um, you know you're not you're not rolling the same number of dice uh, often enough. Uh, probably even over a player's total gaming history, let alone when in one particular game, to, uh, uh, to, to really uh, generate, uh, you know, a so-called average result. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the dice, uh, the dice play where they lay. And, um, you know, once, it, once the dice are rolled, that's the result that happens, uh, regardless of uh, the likelihood of that happening before you roll the dice. Right. And it's the classic old, you know, you flip a coin and the coin's probability of landing on heads or tails is 50%. But the next coin flip doesn't matter whether the first one was heads or tails. It literally doesn't change. But if you do it a million times, then you get closer to seeing that 50%. But it still doesn't mean that it's going to be exactly that 50%. Uh, Yeah, there's a there's a it's such a it's such a common and i want to say intuitively human misconception that there's a name for it it's called the gambler's fallacy ah i, um, I know all about the gambler's fallacy let me tell you <laughs> my my vegas history will tell you that oh dear well it's the, it's one of the reasons why I, why i don't gamble because uh i worry that i'll fall prey to that uh, to that illusion but yeah. yes um yeah well you know I, I i may or may not have been like oh i'm on a hot streak baby and then uh-huh. uh you know you, you start to get a little uh, big in the britches there, and uh, all of a sudden it gets taken all the way. The house always wins. 
Yeah, well, except in my case, because the first time I hit big on uh, on uh, the uh, uh, roulette wheel, I uh, picked up my min- winnings and walked away and never gambled again. <laughs> ah, yes, roulette. That's my game, man. That's my game. I, I love sitting down at the roulette table for hours, tying one on a little bit, having some fun, and then, you know, get a little saucy and see what happens. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Yeah, it's that's yeah. a whole other thing. But <laughs> that's why I'm not going to LVO, because... I would probably be like, all right, cool. I lost these MCP games. Let me go to the casino. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah. Um, Wargaming has plenty uh, of uh, dice risk for me. Thanks very much. Yeah. But but, uh, it's a super popular um, pastime for people to to just enjoy seeing – uh you know how the dice how the dice fall right what what the what the result of a random outcome is and um and for many people i think that's uh, that's part of the appeal of of uh, wargaming in general and i think um i think mcp in particular yeah for sure for mm-hmm. sure so i want to talk now about kind of we're looking at like a four dice attack and just in general how likely you were to get certain triggers but now I want to talk about this four dice attack from the perspective of if it's an attack against a standard defense of three, right? And why I think that any character that has a four dice builder, I think Lizard is a perfect example of a character with a four dice builder that is just like, man, you just never can rely on it. And the reason why I think that you, you look at that, and, and again, this Jarvis calculator is perfect for this. You have a four dice attack side, and wait, it shows wait, wait, you... Wait, 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 What? I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. I, oh. think, I think you're likely more often than not to get one damage. One damage? My, one damage. That's my thing. If you're, if you're rolling against three dice, you're probably going get, to get one damage. You're probably, like, you're, you're probably going to get betw- like, between one and two. So that's kind of what what you can sort of count on. Yeah. And how how do I do? How is that? Uh, actually, you're most likely to get zero. Oh, really? Yeah. So thirty seven percent of the time, zero damage. Okay. Yeah, and Yikes. then twenty five percent of the time, one damage. Twenty percent of the time, two damage. Oh yeah, yeah. But aren't those uh, aren't those results additive? I don't know. Is in, that in, how this works? In, uh, I think I th- so if you look at the yeah okay so so, so four attacks three defense you you're yes you're most likely to get to get 37 uh you're 37% so like one third of the time you're going to do no damage right yeah but that means that two thirds of the time you're going to get one or more damage uh. so what i said was you're probably going to get one or two damage right and so one your chance of getting one damage is 25% chance of getting two damage is 20% so that's forty-five percent. So you're like almost on balance going to get going to get uh, you know one or two damage exactly. See, and then you have a small chance of getting more than that. That's fifteen percent chance of getting three or more. That's that's why I have smarter people than me on here because this is why I'm warped in this game about dice math. Is because it's like I read this chart and I'm like, what? I'm only going to do zero damage most of the time. Like, what the heck? But no, that makes way more sense. Of like. You know the the a third of the time zero damage uh, kind of like aspect of it, and but, that, but that's a lot. Like one one out of three attacks. Yeah, kind of. I mean, we just talked about gambler fallacy, but sort of, you know, um, you know, 
one third of the time you're, you're not going to do any damage. That's that's significant in my opinion. Yeah, right? I but, but, I agree. But more significant is is the fact that um, uh, you're likely uh, to only do one or two damage, right? And, yeah. But you know, characters almost all the time, um, unless they've been severely damaged in, by previous attacks, will have more than one or two one or two damage, right? So it's effectively it's effectively a null result, right? Yeah. Um, just to back just to back up again, uh, a, a bit. You know, one way to look at at, at your uh, dice effectiveness is if you're not affecting a change on uh, on the tabletop, right? Then your uh, then whatever dice you roll isn't really going to have it isn't really um, tactically worthwhile. Yeah. Right? Now, of yeah. course, it's way more complicated than that because you know there's I go you go and there's uh, you know um, uh, you, you can combine attacks on one character and you know that's where the whole strategy comes into play. Right. right? But but a four die a four a four die attack right is you know for sake of the argument ineffective if you want to if you want to actually try to accomplish something with that attack. Right. Yeah. Except in certain specific circumstances. Yeah. What do you think of that statement? I mean, I I really like it, and I think that it's one of the reasons why Bucky was so popular previously is because while you are expected that you're going to do, like we said, that, that one damage is going to get through two-thirds of the time, right? Like, that's kind of the expectation there based on the dice math chart. Then Bucky's like, okay, cool. I'm going to do that potentially four times in my own turn to do that four damage and chip away at you. And then inevitably you have those opportunities to spike and do potentially that three damage or or randomly that five da- or four damage or five damage. You have five damage, not so much. I wouldn't expect that to see that. But I think that that's why those characters like that, that have those rapid fires and stuff like that, really can can ramp pretty hard. Right on, Will. And as and as you said, right, uh, a character with rapid fire has a, 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 against a character with a low enough defense, right, can reliably do a lot of chip damage, right, one point at a time, one point at a time, which which uh, accumulates into uh, eliminating or putting a character into the into a danger zone, right. Yes. But each die roll also has a greater chance of a spike, thanks for thanks to the. Um, uh, exploding criticals mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are there are uh, competitive players in the scene who uh, swear by the uh, the strategy of rolling when they have to roll dice, rolling as many dice as possible, even if they're even if they're actually rolling um, you know uh, lower qualities lower qualities of dice. And this is a kind of the meat and potatoes of the shield strategy, as I'm given to believe. Uh, yeah, um, because yeah. you know. Um, in all likelihood, you will get those. You will get those uh, very swingy spikes uh, more often when your opponent rolls zero hits and you uh, zero uh, defenses, and you get those uh, three or four hits, right? And those are the those are the attacks that really add up and really count in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's such an interesting strategy because it's one of those where when it when it works, it works so well. And mm-hmm. 
it's one of those where I think we've we've heard it before and it's worth saying again. I don't know if I've said it before, but like a volume it's volume versus the uh, I don't know what volume versus not volume. Like <laughs> I don't know if that works, but like the volume of dice that are being rolled over time over the course of a game with things like the the oops all rapid fire list that that our friend mm-hmm. Nate has done or the shield strategy, but that shield strategy, I think is definitely evolving, but that's why, you know, I kind of don't like grunts so much. It's just, it's just a, you know, tangent for a second of like, these are free characters that are doing four dice attacks that could do two damage. And the average health pool in this game is five, five or six, right? It's the average kind of single sided health pool and so when you think of a character that costs nothing to put on the table other than their parent character being able to potentially spike and do two damage to somebody, and that's not even really a spike, a, a third of the time they're going to do two damage. I, uh, I, it's my turn to have a war story. I don't have very many of these, but uh, I was playing a core box game recently, and um, I'm, I managed on my turn to um, uh, pull... Uh, my opponent's Iron Man into uh, uh, threat range and daze him, and then and had priority. So on my turn, I activated Ultron and his grunts first, figuring the grunts will soften him up, and then Ultron can finish him out. Well, I found myself in a dilemma because the grunts, with their two four dice attacks, straight KO'd Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. They just killed him, and I'm like, well, now what do I do with Ultron? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So it, it absolutely it absolutely can happen, and and the and um, you know your point about grunts is very well taken because you know they all have uh, uh, you know these low quality attacks that always have that you know smallish opportunity to sp- to spike, right? And yeah. usually have uh, have a character that uh, that they can spike onto. Now, I mean. We can talk for cir- in circles forever uh, if we're not careful about you know what what probabilities and statistics are actually uh, relevant because you know once you throw uh, characters with damage reduction into the mix all of a sudden you know a four die attack even even on a, a spike starts looking a lot less um, a, a lot less interesting right oh absolutely if you're, if you're counting on doing one damage a turn on a character that can absorb one damage every action then um then you're you're spinning your wheels against nothing or a character that you're trying to you're you're trying to soften up and damage who will um uh then heal damage at the end of the turn also you know a lot less interesting yeah and and i do think that's an interesting thing to look at here and talk about a character like a luke cage for example or iron man as another example there of characters that have a little bit more on the physical defense. Like I think Luke Cage has a four physical defense. So mm-hmm. you look at him, he's got that that defense. And then he also has the reduce by one. So if you're throwing a four dice attack into him, about a quarter of the time you're going to do one damage. And yeah. is that one damage valuable to power up a Luke Cage so then he's more likely to get that sweet Christmas off and, mm-hmm. and all of this stuff? Or is it better just to leave him alone, let him do his thing, and try to meet his own triggers to stagger you? Which, war story again, 
in my recent uh, Sacred Timeline match against Right Mad, he got the double wild trigger on Luke Cage twice, Oof. naturally. Just yeah. just rolled it naturally. And again, you want to talk about something crazy, a double wild trigger on four dice. I, he's got a five dice, but a double wild trigger on five dice attack, 14.7% of the time, that's going to yeah. happen. And he did it twice. Never tell me the odds. I mean, Never tell me the odds. odds. Solo was right in that. In that, at least, you know, when you when you look things up, uh, you know, ex post facto, and then realize, you know, what just happened was like this, this, you know, staggeringly unlikely event. Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> then um, <laughs> I wasn't even I wasn't even aiming for that. But uh, but no, it's um, it could be it could be funny, and it also can be a little bit uh, a little bit discouraging for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, you know, I, because we love to segue, I think that I think that Luke Cage might be uh, the perfect MCP character, um, just because he's he's so he's so swingy in a lot of ways, right? Like he he has he is reliable as far as his defense goes, but defense is always rolling dice, and you know I've had games where where Cage is just whiffed. Right, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden he's uh, he's taking a bunch of damage, right? Um, yeah. And then it's like, and then what do you do? Do you bodyguard your next hit and and you know daze um, daze cage, or do you take the hit on the guy who's uninjured, right? Yeah. And well, having have, being able to make those kinds of decisions is is better than having those decisions forced upon you, right? It um, it also uh, creates a lot of uh, tension in the game. And on the other side, as you say. He can be extremely effective uh, on offense, but again, it's very dicey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All yeah. all dicey all the time, and that's why we love MCP. It's, it's all dicey all the time. So that's why we love Power Man. That's right, Power Man Five Thousand, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the things I want to talk about here with with why I was a little bit confused on the dice chart to begin with is something that. I didn't understand like the way that Jarvis has this laid out. It has probability and accumulated on there and what each of those wow. means. So if you're reading this dice chart, if you're going to Jarvis and you're checking out how that how it does its dice math, the probability is basically how how likely you are to see the one result that you're looking for. That exact result, yes. Yes. But the accumulated is basically that you do at least that many damage or successes. So like the sum of probabilities for a specific result plus all of the lower results. Correct. So looking at it in that perspective really will help you understand this dice chart a little better, which is something that I clearly didn't do right to begin with. And I'm, you know, it's one of those things where shout out to the community for helping me figure all this out. But it's, it, it's another reason why the dice math in this game is so wonky and it's one of those things where, you know, I think when we are looking at character evaluation, right, and trying to say, oh, there's a new character coming out, and and let's use somebody pretty fresh, like Captain America First Adventure, right? Let's let's just think about his character card. I think he's got a pretty easy character card to look at. So looking at at First America, First America. <laughs> First Avenger Steve, he's got the five dice attack with a chance 
to do another five dice attack. And when you're thinking about the average defense character is three, but there's a lot of defensive tech out there these days. So let's say that you're you're rolling into someone that has a single re-roll with your five dice, right? Because that's another thing this dice calculator can do. And with new Steve's leadership, way the way the, the dice math changes a little bit, being able to guarantee almost that you're going to hit that bounce is really great. And that's one of the things that I think is really awesome in the way the dice calculator works is it shows you your likelihood of hitting no hit results. About 20% of the time on this five dice, you're going to have no hit results. But as long as you have one hit result, you can guarantee to get a second five dice attack, which 42% of the time, almost 43. So I'm going to round to basically half the time you can expect to do two damage with that attack. So if you've got a character that's already taken a little bit of damage, rolling Steve's attack under his new leadership, his shield bounce, you know, you could you could feel pretty good about it into three dice with one reroll. So like an original Zemo. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like that it's valuable to think in ter- in those terms to say, oh, well, I should do two damage here? Or do you feel like that that's a bit of a trap? Uh, I think that, that um, it's something that you have to take into account in your in your strategies, but it's something that you should never count on. Whenever you're rolling dice, you should always, uh, before you roll the dice, uh, have a content have a contingency plan or at least an understanding of what of of what a failed outcome will mean for your for your uh, future actions. Right? Yeah. Like sometimes it's like, well, I gotta roll, you know, one. Uh, save on three defense dice or my opponent wins the game right yeah um i mean in those circumstances you know then then the there's not much to think about right it's just you know you roll the dice but uh in in a lot of cases you have to be in it you have to be uh real um you have to uh put yourself in a position where uh you can recover from a from an unlikely or unfortunate result Right, and I think that is um, that is a key, I would say, intermediate uh, uh, skill in um, in MCP, and one that I'm still working on. Right. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, I find myself and uh, players of equal skill level that I'm playing against uh, will frequently overextend, you know, in order to uh, try to secure, you know, a daze or a KO, and then you know have. Um, have the dice not go their way right and, oh yeah uh, end up in a real bind as a result oh yeah you you bet on the dice you pay the price there you go <laughs> but uh no it's it's one of those things where this game is really set up to reward you at times for betting on the dice and then it also is set up to punish you really hard for betting on the dice and I like that aspect of it. You know, it's it's a unique thing within miniatures gaming that I don't, off the top of my head, think of another game that is relatively popular like MCP is 
that has that same kind of mechanic where, you know, sometimes it's just a puncher's chance. And I, I hearken back to my Adepticon match last year it, on stream, first match of the game, playing against Brotherhood. I thought that this won me the game, but it actually didn't. I had to get <laughs> Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme to one-shot Toad to get him to drop his objectives. And uh-huh. I rolled my five dice. I had five successes, and I needed a wild pierce on a critical. I had to roll in the wild pierce from a critical to daze toad in one shot. And the likelihood of that happening with, and you got to factor in the reroll any, but I didn't even use my reroll. So I'm going to take actually the, the Ayavagamoto reroll part of it out of it. So on five dice, I had a 50, 53% chance of rolling the wild, but I can tell you it's one of those where you just, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, all right, I, I need such and such a result. And it's a skull just for like good measure. I think my dice are like, oh, you they hear me. And they're like, oh, you need a thing? How about a skull? Right? <laughs> that's that's what it yep. feels like. But Well, skulls really, skull, sorry, finish what you're saying. No, you're, it's, it's funny. So I had to do the five, five damage. Three percent chance, four percent chance if you're rounding up that I actually did it and I did it. And I lost the game by one point. No. <laughs> I thought it was the play to win me the game, and I lost my uh-huh. one point in this amazing moment. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is this is when they when they talk about matchups and in competitive play, a lot of it has to do with, um, with, of course, board positioning and so on and so forth. But but some of it also has to do with the, with the fact that um, you know your um, your die results are just going to be that much uh, less uh, likely, or even incrementally less likely than your opponents, right? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the, the underdog can always win, and that's why we play the. That's why we actually play the games instead of just you know relying on on likelihoods. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, there are there there are circumstances um, in which you're uh, you're rolling into um, a less likely event, right? Yeah. And 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 sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes you just have to do it, and I think it's I think it's very worthwhile understanding, you know, that what you're what you're trying is a hail mary, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if, especially if you can be dispassionate about it, um, and also so that in in circumstances where the game is still in question, so you don't um, waste your actions um, and resources on on unlikely um, outcomes. Yeah. And I, and I, I want to focus on that real quick before we kind of get towards the end of this episode of where to focus your resources in a way, right? Because at the end of the day, in a given match, you only have so many actions that you're going to take. Let's assume you're playing four wide on a scenario, right? So you've got eight actions that you have to maximize, Right, like let's let's not think about any conditions or anything anybody has. You just have your eight actions, and you're only ever going to have eight actions around potentially. Maybe some rounds because characters might get dazed. You're only going to have six actions, so you're going to be down about twenty percent of your actions at that point. Right? And I don't know if that math works out. I'm just guessing. I'm winging it. I don't know. But either way, when you're thinking about is this attack worth rolling? And uh, again, I can harken back to examples from my own play experiences where 
uh, using First Avenger Steve recently, is it worth it for me to move, charge, or, or charge in, do an attack, and then move back? Or is it worth it for me just to stand on this point and just gain the points? And when you start to think about, and this is where I think the math can come in handy, is when you start to think about it in terms of what is progressing my position on the board towards victory and what is not doing that, right? And if you're not progressing your position, you're just rolling dice to roll dice. Like, don't get me wrong. Rolling dice just to roll dice is fun as shit. Like, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to be honest with you. There's a reason why I played Guardians at Nashcon, because rolling dice is fun. Yeah, so, especially when you can spike at any time. Any die roll can be like that, uh, that those boxcars, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But if you're playing in a competitive event and you your idea is that you want to win the whole thing, remembering that, okay, this five dice attack is really, my, my best expectation is two damage. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of how I would I would approach a situation like that. It's like on this one attack, my best expectation is two damage. Is that valuable in this scenario? And it's like, well, you know, there, there's a lot of factors involved there. Right. How much power does the opponent have? Do they have a, a way to trigger any special abilities? Right. Do how much power if they have no power? Why do I want to then power them up so that they can have more access to their abilities later? Yeah. Yeah, you know. that's what I, that's what I was going to point out is that is that a, a, an additional fly in this a wrinkle, right? Is is the fact that uh, you know if you don't if you don't if you're not KOing with an attack, right, or a dazing a character that doesn't hasn't activated, right? You're essentially handing your opponent additional resources to do uh, stuff on their turn, uh, right? So so in most most miniatures games are are uh, fundamentally attrition games. And uh, I came into MCP with this uh, instinct to, like, if I can attack something, um, then I'll attack it, right? No matter mm-hmm. what, everything, every little piece of chip damage helps, right? Um, and one of the things I really appreciate about this game is, a- a- as you say, right, it's quite often um, more worthwhile for you to even not do anything than to attack uh, an opponent, an opponent for, like, maybe a couple of damage and your uh, understanding of the, your probabilities of success, I think is fundamental in making that decision. Right. Exactly. And that's where I think when we look at the character evaluation aspect before we put a character on the tabletop and we say, Oh, this, this character has this stat line. This is what a five dice attack should be. You know, this is, this is what, whatever you know and i hear you roll those dice back there just to you know it's like <laughs> ah yeah it's just get in the mindset but oh, yeah. but when we when we look at these characters and we're trying to evaluate their their damage potential and stuff like that i mean obviously a character like immortal hulk who rolls 7 dice naturally is going to do more baseline damage overall than Miles with his four dice builder, not including his web line swing, mm-hmm. but which is why seven dice is the best number of dice to roll. Oh, it is the sweet spot. Let me <laughs> tell you, except when you're right mad and you're playing Wolverine, it's def those two factors right there. 
prevent seven from being the sweet spot. Just rats. Yes. It just go back and watch the uh, YouTube video of his berserker barrage and you'll see why. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, the, the final point I want to make before we get into some show questions here is knowing and understanding the, the potential math is a valuable thing, but letting it warp your decision-making to the point of one, either never rolling dice or two rolling dice, expecting an outcome that is very low on the probability chart. Those two things kind of make for a less enjoyable experience, I think in the overall. And when we're evaluating characters and looking at what characters can do or not do saying, well, the average should be this, you know, I, I should average two damage. And there's value in knowing that that's what your average should be, but don't let that keep you from playing the game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because sometimes it is worthwhile to say, I'm, I'm going to do this gambit play. I mean, not the character gambit because that's not, you know, but to, to do a play that is unexpected, right? I, I know our friend Merzane has done things that just like this has a has a low pr- probability of success, but I'm going to do it anyways. And then it pays off and it's like, this is amazing. You get brags when you when that happens, right? When you do right. something uh, uh, unanticipated and unlikely on the tabletop and it works, it's like, you know, you get to talk about that along. That gives you a war story, right? Right, exactly. And one of the things that I can say about this game in my own experience is that the average is rarely the thing that is remembered and it's rarely the thing that improves your position. And if you're trying to just look at a character and decide what to do with them, and if the only thing you can think of is what the average result is going to be, it's, you know, like we talked about the exploding crits, the, the craziness that can happen in this game, this game is, it's a game of spikes and it's who's going to spike when that's going to determine the outcome of most games, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. If you're if dice if dice matter, if dice matter, and they matter more in the design of the game as uh, as uh, AMG uh, focuses uh, more and more on eliminating a diceless strategies, um, then, like I say, when dice when dice matters, it's the it's the big role that's going to uh, determine the outcome. So you want to be in a position to but make more big rolls, get more chances of spikes. I mean, that's a, I think that's still a matter for, for discussion. Do you want more big rolls? Do you want more dice or do you want um, more rolls? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that, you know, you can build strategies around that in, in a lot of ways. Like, like I said, with immortal Hulk, as an example, playing that midnight suns list, I like the big dice. I, I like to say, here's my my blob of dice. Here you go, and and let's see if I rolled a wild to get the throw trigger, and and just have a lot of fun with that. You know what I mean? For me, anyways, maybe not my opponent, but for me, it was a ton of fun. But uh, it's also it's one of those things where I think if we get so caught up in the average result, then why why do we even roll dice? Like this might be a a bit of a controversial thing to say but if all we care about is what the average is going to be why even bother rolling and, and why yeah. not just say i'm attacking you okay cool you take one damage exactly exactly and there is a 
you know, in some alternate universe, a version of MCP that doesn't use dice and that just uses average damage. And that's a game that it, that probably looks interesting for a while, but it's also much more easily solved yeah. than the game we're playing right now. Yeah, exactly. And and there's games out there that exist where it's, you know, I think another thing about this game that's wonderful is how it's a head-to-head dice roll. A, a lot of games don't do head-to-head <laughs> dice rolls. And it's one of the things I love about this game. But there are ga- great games out there that don't use that mechanic and have more structured d- damage profiles in their characters. And a game like that that y'all have heard me talk about a little bit before that I freaking love is Judgment. Uh, Eternal Champions. That game from Creature Caster is one that is much more skill intensive and much more linear in its probability curves but it's still a great designed game around those kind of mechanics but that's a whole discussion for another time i think i've made my main point but i want to get into some show questions today oh yeah let's do it all right we got some great ones this time we got some really good ones so merzane says why do my builders one shot and my spenders do no damage (laughs) i mean I'm going to say that that's because that you're missing the sweet spot every time. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a tongue in cheek question, right? But it, um, uh, it's actually the fundamental to the, I've used that word a lot today, but it, it, it's actually, you know, core to the way that, uh, that MCP dice, uh, mechanics work. You know, sometimes you're going to spike, sometimes you're going to do, you're going to do poorly. And if you have an expectation, uh, based on averages, as you've said many times in this episode, right? Then some percentage of that time, some sometimes those expectations are going to be thwarted, right? And yeah. then if your strategy is based on on those expectations, well, you're going to be uh, 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 sad, uh, you know, when they when, <laughs> when your dice don't uh, don't come up the way they should. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's it's just like that sometimes. I, I know it's one of those things that I also think when you're thinking about the difference between a builder and a spender, it's the amount of resources you put into the spender, right? So mm-hmm. if a spender costs you four power and you have nothing to show for it, when that spender's done, that feels really bad. It's not something that I would classify as a negative play experience, but it feels bad to say, I did everything right and I wasn't rewarded for it. Well, mechanically, it's a bigger loss, right? It's not just a exactly. loss of tempo in that you spent an action to do nothing, but you've all you've also spent a resource at some portion of your power to do that. Exactly. Right? And a lot of the a lot of your at least core strategies in in, in MCP are going to be uh, based around uh, you know uh, powering up your your dudes to do the big stuff so you can get those big dice spikes, and you don't get uh, that many opportunities to do that o- over the course of the game. So a whiff on a on a on a spender you know, is, is, you know, can be a turning point in the game and is, and is often, you know, a significant setback. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So Nicholas says, yeah, in response to Merzane, why are grunts and Sam shields the most hard hitting attacks in the game? We've already talked about grunts a little bit. And again, I think it's more of the mindset of this character is a nothing cost character and they can do damage is a a part of that you know and like we said early i focused a lot on four dice attacks throughout this episode the reason being because it's the minimum it's the Mm -hmm. lowest you're going to see and everything just grows from there but understanding where a four dice attack is can allow you to extrapolate that 
out over the course of more dice, I think. So that's why we kind of focused on that a little bit. And we've got some questions coming up that I wanted to save for this. Yeah. So Sam Shields, as an example, Sam is probably a hard-hitting attack in the sense of the ricochet trigger, like we talked about. You're going to roughly get that, you know, a 50% chance of hitting the ricochet trigger on that attack. So if you've got a character that's within range three of another character, and then it's even more punishing because if they're both size two characters and that this attack deals damage, and like we said, against a standard three defense, no reroll damage profile, you're going to deal that one damage two thirds of the time. Mm-hmm. And now those two characters are pushed away short. Yeah. Devastating. Yeah, so, so yeah, so that, so, so again, we have these, we have these things where A, you have more dice, so more opportunities for spikes. B, you have, uh, you have a, a special ability that will affect the, the game beyond whatever um, uh, chip damage you can expect a low dice attack to do. And, uh, and third, something, and something we haven't talked about is, is uh, Sam's uh, shield throw is range four, which means he will be, he has that many more opportunities to attack uh, the targets, the, the um, tactically correct targets, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and especially given that the shield throw can go beyond range four, you know, he's just, um, his shield throw is, is uh, um, asserting its presence and its effect more often on the battlefield than maybe a larger dice attack that's uh, that's only at range two. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and that's the thing. It's like, it's hard hitting. And that's one of those, you always remember, at least myself and most players, I would assume agree with this. You always remember the big ones, not so much the average ones. And so that's why it feels like those things hit a little harder than they maybe do. So our next question comes from Sweet Tea and Coffee. I don't understand dice mass. Me and you both, sister. I always tell Ben that it's always a 50% chance of success because you either succeed or fail. But he says I'm wrong. Is that not real logic? <laughs> I mean, it is either a 50% chance that you either attack or succeed based on what you're trying to do, I guess. But, uh, you know, you, if you're trying to to do five damage on a four dice attack, yeah, you either fail or succeed in that, but you're more likely to fail <laughs> on that one. But it's one of those things where because of the way the dice work in this game, it's... it's there, like I said earlier, there's a puncher's chance, but you have to have realistic expectations for what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, right, and if you if you end your analysis at, at succeed or fail, um, you're going to uh, make the wrong decision some portion of the time because yep. you know um, there are more there there are more uh, probabilities than than succeed uh, uh, than just succeed or fail, um, even if uh, it is uh, risky to presuppose an outcome based on some uh, some uh, digital uh, some number that you've come up with say through a uh, through a, um, a dice roller or a predictor yeah right? yeah so there's a happy medium there, there, there's a happy medium um, between uh, between uh, uh, sweet teas assertion and you know saying well three times out of ten this, this thing is always going to work because that's not the way probabilities work either yeah absolutely and uh 
Sweet Tea, I'll tell you this also. Make sure you tell Ben you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> That's true, too. Mm. You know, there you go. Just just live with that truth. Big Core says, what makes re-rolls so important and the math to show it? And this is another thing that throughout the course of this episode, we didn't get into re-rolls and, and doing different stuff because I knew these questions were coming because I want to address these questions. So what makes re-rolls so important and the math to show it? So let's start with a, let's go to five dice attacks and let's go with a single re-roll. So something like Baron Zemo, the the new Baron Zemo, which is uh, Helmet Zemo, right? Because he has his sword strike attack that has a wild pierce with some other fun things. Let's not think about the wild pierce, but a five dice attack with one single re-roll and let's just see what this does for us against a three defense character. So why re-rolls are so important? Let's say that five dice with no re-rolls, you have about a 50% chance, 50% of the time, you should do two damage, right? Like that's what the the overall math says. It's your expectation is that two damage is going to be your 50-50 shot. Now you add a re-roll into that, and that goes up to nearly two-thirds of the time you should do that two damage. So basically 60% of the time. It works every time. Yeah, it's about, it's about 10, 10% more, right? 10% yeah. greater chance. 10% greater um, chance. But in addition to that, uh, you're also increasing your, prob- your probabilities of uh, attaining your triggers. Exactly. Uh, right? Um, which is not a lot but uh, but not negligible either so for example five die attack according to jarvis against a three defense roll uh with no rerolls gives you 53 percent chance to uh to, to get a wild trigger mm-hmm. and with one reroll that chance goes up to 58 percent it's not a lot it's a five percent one in 20 but it's not nothing so it, it does it does have some effect um Maybe not as much of an effect as as um, as some people, some reroll advocates might think. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, you know, in addition, um, you know, you also uh, have the opportunity if you really need a, a, a trigger, uh, you can reroll a die that would otherwise normally hit. I'm yeah. Not that I recommend it, but that can also increase your chances um, uh, by another little bit. Yeah, absolutely, and. Trying to hit those triggers is really where rerolls come in, in my opinion. But adding that extra damage, it's more so when you get into the higher levels of damage. Like you're you're dealing two damage, that percentage going up by about ten percent is wonderful, right? But it's the what is my spike percent chance when I add this reroll in here, right? So like mm-hmm. me, I think a spike chance is when you're 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 having like most of the dice be successes, right? So in a five dice attack, let's say four dice are successes. So if I add a reroll onto that, basically my five dice attack, if I want to have a spike, so four or more successes, if I don't have a reroll, that's only 12% chance that that happens. So very unlikely. When I add that reroll in there, that four or more goes to almost 20%. Yeah. And it's those kind of things that I think that rerolls really matter for. I, I think that hitting the triggers and stuff like that is the thing you want rerolls for to try to have that chance of getting that trigger. 
But when you really start stacking up the re-rolls and even just one re-roll, it really takes your spike potential up on the attack side. Now, let's think about having access to a re-roll on defense and what that does to the math, because I think that this is also a valid thing here. Let's use Zemo and his single re-roll. Let's say he's getting attacked by an energy attack. So he has three defense and his one re-roll against five dice with no dice manipulation at all. So like we said earlier, two damage, 50% of the time you can expect you're going to do two damage in a situation like that, right? Now you add that one re-roll in there and that percentage of two damage goes down by about 10%. So it's kind of the inverse of the attack with a re-roll is that you get that little bit more defensive and you keep those, we talked about spikes, that spike percentage goes down a little bit more. So at a base level, the chance of that spike of four or more successes or on, on or four or more damage is 12% on your five dice attack with no modification. I feel like I'm confusing myself with this, but I think I've got it right. Uh, <laughs> so about 12%. Then you I, add I'm in follow, that. I'm following you. We're throwing we're throwing numbers around. We are, uh, which means that that and and the numbers aren't that aren't that large, frankly, uh, which can suggest that rerolls aren't aren't that useful. But they do come in handy uh, uh, some number of times. And as you point out, in particular, they're very useful at uh, at uh, smoothing out the um, the uh, risks of of uh, getting spiked out. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's really what it is, is it's smoothing the curve. And and the difference between the spike, I just want to finish this this point on this, is mm-hmm. you go from 12% chance of a spi- of getting spiked down to only a 9% chance. So it doesn't change that much, but it still lowers it enough to where I feel like it's valuable on defense. Well, it lowers it, 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 lowers it by, by like um, one quarter, right? 12, yeah. 12% to 9% is like... Is, is like you know, you significantly like a percentage-wise, not that much, but but you know, a reroll versus not a reroll means you're 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 twenty-five percent likely to get that to, to to take that big spike damage. Yeah. Um, which is big. It's you know, um, and in a game of probabilities like this one, every little bit counts anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. I think I just think it's really interesting, and then you start to stack in those rerolls. We're only obviously using one reroll, but like on defense, the stacking rerolls things. So like Web Warriors, as an example, really limits the spike potential, and that's why those kind of things are so important. It's like sure you're still likely to do two damage, but I'm also limiting that potential blow up and I say likely a third of the time you're only going to do two damage so it's like when you have the two re-rolls and I think personally it's it's one of those things where if you can have a re-roll it's never a bad thing but you'll see there's another question that we're going to have here in a few minutes um, uh, that is relative to this discussion so I'll get to that in just a second but first Half-Ass Ninja wants to ask what Eldritch Being do I need to talk to to bless and or curse dice? So I, I would say that uh, if you want to bless your dice, 
you probably want to go talk to uh, Cthulhu. That's probably the one to bless him. But uh, if you want to curse him, I think uh, Golgoroth is the one to curse him. And yes, oh, well, I'm, these are elders. I'm going to say that there's any number of, of uh, uh, gods that you can that you can um, ask to bless or curse your dice. But one of them is actually in the game. His name is Loki. <laughs> yes, yes. He will um, happily um, create uh, create different possibilities based on what he thinks is uh, is funniest or more interesting in the moment. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Merzane says. Sentinel Prime Math. If I have three power, is it better to roll five and use rerolls? So Sentinel Prime has a reroll mechanic, so he would use three rerolls in that case. So is it better to roll five and use rerolls or spend three power to make it eight dice? This is a really good question and understanding kind of what you want to do with things. Now, there's an argument here to say, well, one is energy, one's physical, one has conditions, one doesn't, that kind of stuff. Let's just say all else being equal, though. Right. All else being equal. And, oh, wait, and this is the the, the, bit, the builder where you can give it three, uh, spend three power to give it three more dice. So let's assume, let's do the five dice with the three rerolls. And I already know the answer to this question, but I want to pull it up on the thing because I've always said this before. And I'll say it again on this podcast: more dice always better than stacking a bunch of rerolls on top of lower dice counts. That's my that's my intuition as well, and not just because you know I I follow your podcast uh, like an acolyte, um, but uh, <laughs> uh, also also because you know of the exploding dice mechanic. Exactly. Um, but exactly. third of all, because of the because of the uh, limits of uh damage capabilities right right uh, target could only take so much damage before any extra successes become um become irrelevant right right um conversely rather you want to try to get as many successes as you can in as few actions as possible so if you roll a bunch of dice long story short you're getting a better chance of of spiking and knocking out a character with one action right Four dice boom now, what, is it, what does the calculator say? All right, so the calculator says five dice with three re-rolls, 50% of the time, your expectation is three damage. All right? So mm -hmm. another thing to factor in with this, if you roll five dice and you're expecting re-rolls, you have more likelihood to roll some skulls and then not even get to re-roll them in the first place. That's, well, yeah, because it's, yeah. That, yeah. I think, is a key point. Right, because if if we're not talking about this is Sentinel Prime, we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, let's now change this to where we're rolling eight dice. Oh my gosh, the expectation goes up significantly. So, two thirds of the time, you're going to be doing three damage, and forty four percent of the time. So I round up again to that's basically fifty percent of the time you can expect to do four damage against a three defense character. I, I take yeah. that every time. So that's well, that's the that's the that's the likely outcome. But then add to that the the long shot chance on five dice, uh, your chances of your maximum possible damage is going to be, I mean, your maximum possible damage is ten, right? Uh, right. But you roll five hits and five additional hits, and your maximum your maximum possible damage on eight dice is is even more. 
right? Right. Um, but your chances of getting 10, uh, 10 hits on eight dice while still extremely low is still higher than your chance of getting 10 hits on five dice. Exactly. Your chance of getting eight hits on eight dice is much higher than getting eight hits on, on five. Yeah. Right. So if you if you're looking for a big damage number, which um, uh, if you're trying to affect the affect the game through attrition is what you really want in this game, uh, then yeah, more dice is better. Yeah. And and this I mean right here just really proves it is and Sentinel Prime is a great example of a character that is a really utility character because he can provide his own rerolls or rerolls for his team or he can do that attrition and ramp his own dice up. And the Sentinels are, I think, the only characters in the game that can add dice to their attacks for for power. And yeah. being able to do that, like, uh, let me rephrase, can add it on a builder that is not a superpower, right? So, like, Storm can add dice. Other characters can add dice through superpowers, but theirs is, they're basically going to have an opportunity to be refunded. Two-thirds of the time, they're going to get a refund. Right. That's huge. Now, now the um, the interesting thing is for me, and um, I'm not sure how I would go about proving it, but my intuition is that when you're rolling defensive dice, the opposite is true. You want um, you want rerolls more than you want um, than you want more dice. See, now that's an that's interesting because let's let's go down this path for just a second. I know we're running a little long on an already mm-hmm. kind of thick episode with you know math and numbers and all that stuff, but that's I want to talk people. I, I want to do this. Yeah, this is a good one because I actually think that more dice is typically always better because of the spike mechanic. So let's see here. Let's go with three dice is is your baseline, right? Let's go with that, and let's say Cable is getting attacked by a physical attack. With his three dice, he and let's say that um, he's got a strategic genius around him to re-roll one, or mm, I don't know. Let's see if we can get him two re-rolls. How can we get him two re-rolls? Let's say and let's say he's got a Sentinel Prime standing around that can give him another re-roll. All right. All right. So he has access to two re-rolls, and so he's got three dice, and we're we're tanking a five dice attack here. So what we're trying to do. So let's say with no re-rolls. We're looking at the potential for one damage is about two-thirds of the time, two damage about 50% of the time, a little less than 50% of the time, right? Mm -hmm. We add that one reroll in there, and it changes to where still two-thirds of the time, pretty much, we expect one damage to get through, but our spike potential goes down. And then we add that second reroll in there, and yeah, that's when things get pretty good. I think the second rerolls solid, but you're still only maxing out at really, you know, you could potentially spike up and have four four successes on your three dice, five successes, even six if you get the wild. We live in reality that that won't happen situation. Um, okay. Now, how does that compare to a straight five defensive dice? Is so that- yeah, that's what I was gonna do next. Let's say mm-hmm. he buffs up his. His defense dice here. Let me let me refresh this page because I think I'm I'm thinking I'm breaking it a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so your five dice. defense, yep, five defense versus five attack dice. You're looking at one damage just over fifty percent of the time. Hmm. Yeah. So three dice with two re rolls, 
two two separate instances of rerolls, 60% of the time you're going to get one damage. So it changes the math by about 10%. And again, I think that's the function of crit exploding mechanic, all of that kind of stuff. I I I will I, I said it before and I'll say it again. More dice always better. All right. Okay, well I guess I I guess I have to be swayed by the math. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think that having rerolls like Web Warriors characters, they have their rerolls. Those are valuable. But if I can use Doctor Strange or Cable or whomever else to give them extra dice, that ramps up their survivability that much more. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, it's pretty, that's a good thing there. So, Dojo says, what's more valuable, counting an extra side of a die or a reroll? And. This is one where I don't think I need to get too thick into the math here. Counting the extra side is always better than a reroll. Like, uh, it's one of those things where, again, it's you made a good point earlier about what the maximum amount of damage that a character can sustain before they're dazed or out of the game or whatever. And I think that's fair. But also, just looking at what the maximum amount of dice you're going to be able to perform with, right? So, if you're rolling a five-dice attack and you're counting blanks like Corvus when he uses Glaive Edge, you're automatically getting access to two more sides of the dice. That means there's only, I I think if I'm doing this right, two sides of the die of an eight-sided die that are not counting for successes for you, and that would be the skull and the shield if you don't have the reality gem. Okay, I mean, if you're, uh, uh, blanks, Blanks might be different, but let's let's uh, think this through a little bit because if you're re-rolling, you're re-rolling on three sides most of the time. Yeah, you're hitting four times. You got a you've got a skull one time, so that's so that's three out of eight times you're getting. So it's so so okay. Just naively, right? Uh, a re-roll is like one and a half out of eight. Yeah. Right. Uh, sides. So if the side that you're that you're counting is a skull or a um, or a shield, then rerolls are better. And if it's blanks, then um, if it's blanks, then then uh, uh, blanks are better. Interesting. Okay, so I would think of a character that counts skulls. Uh, there there are only a few, and they have specific attack pools. So let's use everyone's favorite character right now, Cosmic Ghost Rider. He rolls his six dice. He counts skulls, right? Mm-hmm. So his counting skulls is equal to he should 60% of the time, so two-thirds of the time, he should do three damage. Man, that's nutty, right? Now, mm-hmm. let's say you have a character that's rolling six dice and they have a reroll, so maybe Hulk with a Zemo standing next to him. Okay. Your three damage potential, to do that three damage, like I said, it was 60% of the time, on counting skulls on that six dice to on six dice with just a single reroll 50% of the time you should do three damage. Right. So, okay. Counting another face, even, you know, shields are a different thing. Maybe like, I don't, I think that there's no character that counts shields as successes, except for Killmonger can pay to change it. But yeah, I, I think that counting the extra side is is gonna also always be better because skulls is the best example of that. But we only have a couple of characters in the game that can even do anything with skulls in the first place. Well, oh, oh, I understand. I, I see. I misread the question. Um, 
yeah, counting an extra side of a die is going to be all, is going to be uh, better than a single reroll all the time. Yeah. Um, but I was uh, I was thinking about it in terms of counting an extra side versus rerolling your dice, being yeah. able to reroll misses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. So yeah, of course, yes, yes, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, so, right. uh, Mithrandir, buddy Ron says, when I keep my dice warm in my pocket of my hoodie at a tournament, they roll better. Math or science, and I'm going to say neither. It's magic. It's definitely magic. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's uh, it's uh, science because the uh, warming up your dice increases the plastics coefficient of static friction, and uh, because uh, because the blanks are uh, have more surface area, they're more likely to stick face down. Ah, yes, I I, I appreciate the scientific method with that. <laughs> All right, so Beast Jimbo says, will there ever be a boy born that can swim faster than a shark? And, I mean, maybe one day, buddy. Maybe one day. So, Well, my, my, my assertion is that that's already happened. Nice. Uh, because, because a boy, a human boy, um, has access to all of his advantages, just like a shark does. And part of the human boy's advantage is, is culture and society and a brain that can make things. And there are underwater scooters that are faster than sharks. So there uh, you go. There you go. Scientific again. Mm -hmm. Isak says, what is the most impactful dice modification ability? Examples, pierce, reroll one, count blanks, etc. Now, I'm not, I, I, we are running a little long, so I'm not going to get mm -hmm. too deep into breaking all of this down. But I think with, our previous discussions that we've shown, counting blanks is a one excellent, most best friend yep. on either attacks like or defense. I think on defense, mm -hmm. it's one of the best things because it gets around Pierce and stuff like that. Now, so when you're when you're playing Daredevil and you get to count blanks, don't think that that means a reroll because you are actually um, doing yourself a disservice. Exactly, that's happened to anybody, but. If they did, they must feel really stupid right now. Yeah, no, we've definitely seen that happen a time or two. <laughs> it was me. I'm the stupid one. Oh, no, definitely not, <laughs> definitely not stupid at all. Definitely not. Definitely not. So the real cool thing about the Jarvis Dice Calculator, it actually has a pierce on a wild change to a blank. So I love that. And so I do want to show on a five dice versus three defense what that accounts for. And so we've already talked about it. Basically... 50% of the time, your expectation is about two damage. You add that pierce on a five dice change to a blank. On three defense dice, that two damage goes up to nearly 60% of the time. It is extremely valuable. And I think, in I'll, I'll check it real quick to see if that's more valuable than a single reroll. And actually, pierce and a single reroll, if you have one or the other, they are basically the same. That's weird. I did not expect that. Yeah. Did not expect that at all. It's because, again, five dice versus three defense, two damage 60% of the time on with a single reroll. If you don't do any rerolls and you have the pierce 60% of the time, you're going to do huh. two damage. So very similar, which is really odd. But you stack the pierce with a reroll like X23 – now you're over 70% opportunity to do two damage. That's why she's so yeah. good. That's one of the reasons anyway. 
Yeah, one Stupid of the X23. One of the reasons, yeah. Cool. So I love that question and I'm glad that we were able to illustrate that a little bit here. So let's see. Oban says, is it better to roll fewer dice more often or more dice less often? We had a little bit of this discussion earlier, and I just want to kind of hammer home the point here of that depends on the situation. You're more likely to spike with a bigger dice pool, but you're also going to be able to be more consistent with fewer dice if you're stacking things like rapid fire. That's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah, and and depending on depending on what kind of spike uh, what kind of spike you're looking for, right? Um, you know, more more dice can be uh, can be better too. You know, harken back to you know, kill an Iron Man with two four dice attacks, right? If that's if that's what you need, if you want to do you know four damage twice, then then you have a better chance of doing that than uh, than you are getting uh, you know one eight die uh, hit in with uh, with eight dice. Yep. Yep, so I've got two more questions I want to do here. Horsebag says, do dice respond better to rewards for good rolls or punishment for bad rolls? And uh, I'm going to go with they definitely respond better to punishment for bad rolls. I haven't rolled my red dice in a while. And uh, yeah, that the last time I, I, I rolled those was, whew, it's been a long time. But yeah, they 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 are living in purgatory for a little while, and I'm expecting that when I ro- pull them out to roll them again, they'll be just fine. Uh, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I think uh, you know, just like just like everybody else, dice respond better to uh, to rewards rewards for good rolls. So you know, ample praise and uh, you know, just a, just a generally uh, positive environment are better for your dice than if you uh, if you uh, try to. Uh, try to uh, punish the uh, the other dice because it because it demoralizes the dice you didn't roll ah yeah there you go that's that's fair uh bf trick says which dice are more wild shatterpoint or mcp shatterpoint crits are unblockable mcps are exploding i think just in my experience and i don't have a ton of experience with shatterpoint but i think mcp is much more wild and by extension exciting yeah, I don't have any experience with uh, with Shatterpoint at all. But based just on this on this description, it seems to me like the Shatterpoint Shatterpoint dice are, if anything, uh, more reliable than even regular dice, and therefore less wild. Yeah. So the final, final, final question: Merzane says, "How many licks does it take to get to the gooey center of my MCP dice?" It's thirty-seven. It's definitely thirty-seven licks. Don't ask me uh, how I know that, that. that. You can't be more wrong. It's sixty-three. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, maybe yours are a little different than mine, and maybe that's the new ones. Mine are my, mine are the old ones. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair yeah enough. the older ones get a little softer over time. Sure, that's right, that's right. So, uh, Kill Panic, I want to say thank you so much for joining me with this discussion. Suits, if you enjoyed this discussion and you want to hear more about this kind of topic and stuff like this, I, I hope I answered some questions that you might have had. I hope that you understand dice math a little bit better. I know. I ramble a lot, so I, I try to keep that under control, and I hope that I didn't get too rambly during some of this, because this is one of those topics that can feel a little dry, but I feel like we did a good job of trying to keep it interesting and, and keep it on point and all that stuff. So what I need from you, Suits, let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know where I can improve. Send me messages, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Send me messages on Facebook. 
send me messages on Discord. I'm at HPP underscore Will in most of the normal Discord channels. Also on Spotify, there's a question at the end of every episode uh, that you can respond to in there. I see that too. So let me know what you guys think. Leave comments, messages, reviews, all that stuff, because it only helps me get better. And I only ever want to improve this podcast for the people that give me their time. So I got to say, I really appreciate uh, you, Kill Panic, for being here and for everyone that listened. And uh, where can people find you? Uh, well, I'm on the uh, the wonderful uh, House Party Protocol Discord, uh, which uh, you can um, join for only the low, low cost of $1 a month. Or um, how much is it annually? I forget now. Um, I think it's right, 12 12 $12 a year. Yeah. 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 Um, in, uh, in monthly payments. Uh, and, uh, I'm also on Instagram at, uh, other Dave painting. And, um, that's about it right now. I might do some Twitch streaming in the new year, but we'll have to see about that. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, again, I really appreciate you, you being here suits. If you are interested in joining the Patreon and getting access to the best little slice of heaven on the internet, you can check out patreon.com slash house party protocol and uh, come and hang out with, it really is, it is a wonderful place. I, I can't, can't express enough how much fun it is. And we've started you know, playing some video games from time to time, doing some streaming, uh, sharing our screens when we're playing some video games, all that fun stuff. It's just a really great community. And I'm uh, forever grateful and very proud of how it's developed over there. And that's got everything to do with the people that are, are a part of it. And it's, it's just really wonderful. Also, you can check out Battle Kiwi and use the promo code PARTYKIWI for your first order. You'll get 10% off. Love their battle boxes. Love everything they do. I've got a couple of their Infinity stuff, too. It's, it's really great stuff. Highly, highly, highly recommend. And, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's all I've got to cover for now. Exciting stuff in the new year. I think uh, one of the things to expect for... Uh, this podcast is in a couple of weeks, so the week of December 21st, the week right before Christmas. That's going to be the last episode for 2023, and then we'll come back in the new year, the second week of the new year, so January 11th will be the first episode of the new year, and uh, I'm really excited to to get that going and try to, try to push this podcast even further and really try to try to get it to a point that is uh yeah that that doesn't matter but <laughs> uh kill panic thank you again so much for for being on and we'll talk to you soon party on dave uh, party on darth power down suits <laughs> <laughs>